Bonjour, dear listeners. Welcome to episode three of this webinar series, in which I am conversing with women from the business world and the meetings and events industry. Each one of my guests accomplished creative actions during the COVID-19 pandemic. Throughout the episodes, we will be hearing about the pandemic's effects on these women and their dedication to help other women. My name is Susan Prophet, and I am Director of Business Development for Quebec City Business Destination. I'm delighted to be your host in today's episode with Jennifer Glynn, Managing Partner at Meeting Encore. I hope you enjoy our conversation. What would our world look like without any connection? We all got a glimmer of an answer during our limited physical interactions during the pandemic. For multi-passionate creative Jen Glynn, that glimmer was a driver to find ways to connect more frequently and more meaningfully. From virtual walks with industry friends to being a business coach to new entrepreneurs, partnering on a new radio show called The Playbook and co-founder on the Women Supporting Women Summit, Jen pushed herself to learn, share and grow. During these crazy times, Jen has found joy in giving back and helping others to build meaningful connections. You can connect with her on LinkedIn to learn more about her day job at Meeting Encore Limited, Fuel Sports and Design and Achieve. You can also follow Women Supporting Women Summit on LinkedIn. So great to have you on our podcast series, Jen. As we go back a long way in our meetings and incentive travel industry, I think it was when you were still at the Marriott and I met you at Site Canada event. I believe you had the meeting at your hotel by the Eaton Center, or was it before that? Yeah, no, I think you're right. I think it was a site event. And I was just talking about that the other day, how building that, that community has really shaped my leadership and my, my connections today. So I, I'm so blessed. Great. For, for our listeners, SITE is the Society of Incentive Travel Excellence. Jen, can you tell us more about SITE for our listeners? Yeah, it's a global community of incentive travel professionals, both suppliers and buyers, that um, come together to focus on education, education, advocacy, improvement in our industry. Um, and like I said, I, I had the pleasure of working both in a volunteer capacity at Site Canada as well as the Site Global Organization, and it's it's allowed me to build my connections globally and friendships around the world. And I think that's probably one of the things I miss most. I, you know, I was the site global president in 2020, um, quite the year to do that, kicking it off in Vancouver at our kind of our peak, and then just trying to um, support the board and our members through 2020. So, um, but through all that, uh, I, I've missed the travel, not for the inconvenience sometimes travel <laughs> no. does, but for the for not being able to see some of my friends. Yeah, I think that was the last place I saw you actually was at that conference in, in January 2020. Yeah, it was a great conference. Now, I know we have both had a very uh, close connection through site and a very special mutual friend in Mara Hearn, who was a real mentor for me and I know for you as well. And I would like to talk to you more about that later in the program. But first, can you tell us more about Meeting Encore and how the pandemic impacted your business and to an extent your personal life? You know, just like everybody else, uh, we had to uh, adjust and support our clients um, for when the pandemic hit with cancellations and postponements of programs and, and being there really to act as consultants um, to our clients um, sharing what we knew at the time, um, you know, I famously, um, have been asked for my crystal ball many, many times. And, and then that continues as well. So, you know, it was supporting those transition, um, with our hotel partners working with us side by side was, was great. The destinations, um, the convention centers and bureaus. So we just, worked on that. And then as a team, we, we really, um, leaned into each other to make sure that um, everybody's mental health was, was good. Um, we looked at new and different ways to develop new revenue streams, um, within our companies and, and outside our companies as well. You know, a number of the teams started some, um, side hustles in order to, or, um, got part-time jobs in order to, um, you know, I think when this all started, we thought that the pandemic was going to be, um, short-lived, you know, having lived through SARS, we kind of thought it would would be over as quickly as SARS was. And we were a little naive on that, but, uh, you know, 
Um, I would say the silver lining to all that is that we got to spend more time with our families um, and gardening. And like you said, walking with friends virtually. Um, so it took us, it took an opportunity to take a pause and see what was most important. And um, Joe and I are so proud of our team at Meeting Encore. It, they're um, a great group of um, professionals who really um, have stepped up for their clients and for their families. So um, how many, um, like, what does your team look like? How many people are on your team and how many men versus women? Hmm. Uh, we have 14 people on our Meeting Encore team. And we have out of that, there's uh, 10, am I calculating this right? 10 women and four guys. Um, so yeah, we're very, just like our hospitality industry overall, we're very uh, female heavy, <laughs> which is yeah. great. Female yeah. supported. Yeah. Since you already all worked from home, did it impact some of your team, for example, with homeschooling? Oh, absolutely. I mean, uh, everybody had to learn how to multitask in a new way, right? So even though we were already set up in a digital way to work remotely, um, we now had, you know, the, the children at home, um, some of them having two to three kids at home that they had to help with math programs. Um, Grace is uh, an expert in grade five math now. <laughs> so, um, and it's, it's not only the adjustment to the online world for, for the kids and the teachers in that scenario, but also just, you know, both spouses coming to work from home. So there was um, reconfiguring of office space and priorities. And, you know, when we're talking to some people, it would be like, okay, I try to book all my conference calls in the morning and so that you can take care of the kids for a while. And then there's the people on our team um, who had to adapt to, you know, senior care and they're, they're not being able to see their, their mom, et cetera. So it was definitely a roller coaster of emotions for everybody on our team, men and women. Um, uh, but it was, it was great to see how much people reached out to each other um, for those, for the support. Yeah. Great support group. That's, that's wonderful. Now, um, your year as volunteer site global president, can you tell the audience, what does that volunteering role entail? <laughs> um, more than you can imagine. <laughs> uh, so basically um, I was the, the chair, the board president. Um, so it's a matter of also uh, engaging with those volunteer members and looking at um, you know, governance, financial health, membership engagement, working with the staff team. And we're very lucky to have an incredible staff team. So, you know, in a, in a pandemic, it was um, resetting in order to, you know, where our live events and fundraisers and sponsorship um, would have, you know, we kind of have a, a good pace on that. We had to look at new ways to create that engagement for our members. Um, our members are, you know, very valuable to their our organization. They're kind of in our chapter specifically, like Site Canada, for example. There are, there are, there are volunteer leaders on the ground, and we couldn't do it without them. So, um, my role was, you know, it was, like I said, there there are definitely silver linings. And as president, I had a very um, uh, robust travel schedule in uh, for 2020. And that all obviously came to a grinding halt, but I was able to be on hundreds of site chapter events and, and industry events speaking or, or partaking, um, you know, so that was good. I, I got to actually engage with more members globally than I possibly ever could face to face. Yeah. Would you say that's why you chose to volunteer or was there a deeper meaningful reason to volunteer? You know, I, I've always been an individual who thinks if you're going to belong to a group or a community that you need to um, be active and involved and give back to that community. Um, definitely kind of that servant leadership mindset that I get from my parents of, uh, of serving that community. And so I, I, I honestly, some days I don't know how it all happened, but it was just one of those things that you, I've been open to opportunities and been given the opportunity to, to contribute back to site through um, education and certification development. And that led to other opportunities as well. So, um, 
Yeah. With, with any network or community that you're building, um, that you're belonging in. Um, I just joined another one called a Canadian association of women entrepreneurs and executives, and they've been the most welcoming and they're a small group of people, but they're really supportive. And I, so I'm looking forward to, you know, as my site journey, um, it won't come to an end. I'm just rolling off the board at the end of, uh, 2021, uh, I'll continue to work on, on, um, uh, committees and education in particular, but I also am looking for ways to continue to give back to developing professionals, which is kind of why we started the, the podcast, um, because, I think there's some skill sets out there that we need to talk about to developing professionals um, to make them stronger. Is that why you joined this new group? And can you tell us a little bit more about this new um, association that you've joined? Yeah, it's based in Toronto and it's really more of a networking to help um, entrepreneurs uh, find like-minded people who they can um, share different resources with or, um, promote each other's companies. So yeah, it's just, and it, it's not necessarily that, you know, if I'm talking to Laura, that she has a piece of business for me, but it's me sharing with Laura and her vice versa, what our companies do so that when she meets somebody, she may be like, oh, you should connect with Jen. And, you know, my friend Jason calls me the great connector. And I love doing that. I love bringing people together and say, oh, Susan, you should meet this person. And, and I mean, particularly right now, when we have so many um, incredible people that are, are um, out of work, looking for new opportunities for them is, is important as well. Yes, that, I've always felt that was my role with Quebec was connecting people. So I, I totally understand that. That's really uh, where it's, there's a lot of joy that comes with that. Now, how did you see the effects of the pandemic on the incentive travel industry and the workforce from the lens as a site global president, and as your role as managing partner with Meeting Encore? Obviously, it was a crushing blow to the incentive travel industry when when everything's shut down. Um, So I mean, it's, What's sad about that is not only, you know, our own incentive travel industry, the events industry, but the trickle down effect that we have on that, right? From the housekeepers to the waiters to the um, taxi cab drivers, everything, um, events and, and face-to-face events impacts so much of our global economy. And then slowly to see people um, being furloughed and then permanently laid off and amazing um individuals leaving our industry, you know, Fast Company had an article out last week that quoted a Microsoft survey that um, 41% of the people right now are looking at considering leaving their current job within the next year, which you might find surprising when so many people are out of work and we're, we're not sure kind of what the future is even yet in Canada with, as we're still in somewhat of a lockdown. Um, but I think people have taken time to figure out what's important to them and what what do they want from an employer, you know? So the, the good news for the um, incentive travel industry is it's going to have to focus really on um, reward and recognition within, the, within corporations to keep good people. And within our industry, we saw, you know, not only people leaving, but the resilience of our industry and how you saw some of the DMCs um, even within um, my companies, we started doing virtual social events and curated gift boxes. And, you know, we, um, on the meeting on course side, we consulted on, on contracting and addendums. And so I think through all this, there's going to be um, a permanent change to, to our industry and um, education and certification. We've seen all that come down the pipeline, you know, pandemic, um, post-pandemic training, uh, the GPDA, get uh, ready, safe travel, um, uh, event industry council has lots of training. So the the industry overall really stepped up to make sure that as things reopen, we're we're prepared um, as event professionals. And then some of the people that have started their side hustles um, may not come back to this industry Mm -hmm. as well. So how do we how do we now look at the next phase of um, professionals to enter this industry? We need to go back at, and look at the high schools and the, the colleges and universities and really demonstrate to them how a career 
can be a lifetime career in this industry. There are so many opportunities. I mean, I started out uh, as a secretary and, and uh, that's when we had secretaries <laughs> and, uh, you know, a bar manager and then moved into sales. And, you know, my, my career has taken me around the, the globe. So sharing those st- stories so we can attract um, the youth of today to our beloved industry. Yeah. Do you see a permanent change then, uh, Jen, in our industry? Well, I mean, obviously, uh, just like 9-11 had a permanent uh, impact on travel and safety and security measures, um, post-pandemic will obviously have hygiene and, and uh, sanitary kind of um, and measures as well. But also, you know, just how um, our industry looks at specific partners, right? And partnership is one of the um, things that I would, I hope continues um, post pandemic, the, like I said earlier, the supplier partners were, were great to work with. Our, our clients were supportive. Um, so how do we continue to have those, those conversations? I mean, demand is high. You look at the U S right now, try to find space mm-hmm. and it's, no one's holding space and the demand is there and rates are up. And yeah. so through all that, we still need to look at the long-term uh, road of, of partnership. And then, you know, for our destination management companies, our 2019 uh, incentive travel index survey um, saw them kind of going down in their, their value proposition being perceived as going down. And with this, uh, with COVID, we, you know, immediately see that they are the local resource that we need uh, in uh, globally. So they understand the the hospitals, the safety protocols, what's uh, what the venues are doing, uh, so much value. So so there is a definite opportunity for them there. And then for the other side of our event industry, like I said, some of the DMCs um, and agencies just like us added new revenue streams. Well, those revenue streams aren't going to go away when face-to-face returns. So mm-hmm. how do you um, operate uh, do you, are you adding to your team? Are you, um, uh, yeah, just, just lots of opportunities, I think. Yeah. Uh, and so, so you, you see a lot of value in, in a, um, a convention bureau then as knowing what's going on in the city, uh, when you're oh, working no, absolutely. at a new destination. Um, and, and the, the convention bureau understands, you know, what, what's happened um, with the venues that used to be there, right? And where, where the new opportunities are because a, a lot of our product in, in the industry has changed because people have taken the opportunity to either um, uh, renovate or some of them have closed down. Um, there's been mergers and acquisitions. So it's, you know, it's hard for any one person to keep up to date on all of those changes. So we, we look to our global sales partners, our, our CVB partners to keep us informed on that opportunity as well. Yeah. Now, um, going back to site again, um, you know, I know you didn't get to travel to all the chapters. Did you find that the virtual world, you were able to accomplish your goals just the same or, yeah, no, absolutely. I think, like I said, I, I covered more territory than I possibly could have. Um, and with, you know, Tahira and Dean is our, our head of events, does a spectacular job creating unique um, virtual events. So, and I think that people um, felt that they could um, have more access to me, which is a, a kind of, because I'm, I'm mm-hmm. a pretty open book anyway, but, and they could just email, but you know, I mean, me being visible on a zoom screen and then being able to chat with me or ask a question was easier for them to do. And it was in a safe protected environment, right. Where somebody at a global conference may not have walked up to me and asked their questions. So I find that our member engagement, um, and Aoife Delaney is, is continuing that great work and, um, and our membership engagement, you know, one of the things as a board member, you're responsible, fiscally responsible for helping to manage the association's budget and making sure that you're making decisions. And last year we had to make tough decisions on some of the things that, um, you know, when we were budgeting for, for 2021, we didn't know um, how many members we would have, you know, knowing that a lot of people were furloughed and some people might have had to pay their own membership, which is why we started the Moira Hearn uh, Fund. 
Um, but we're up to, I think right now, 1800 members. Um, you know, oh, when 2020 great. started, we were at like 2200. So yes, that is a decrease, but it really shows that people have valued their, um, their membership into site and their local chapters. Wow. That is, that's marvelous because I've seen other associations, uh, lose like half their members. So that's, that's terrific. That's terrific. That, that shows your member engagement, uh, strategies worked really, really well. Now, um, let's go into, you co-founded the women supporting women initiative during the pandemic. Tell us more about this, a little more context around it. Yeah, yeah. This is a, a passion project that we started um, in January of 2021. And we've had um, a summit in January, one in May, and a couple of social events. And our next one's coming up in August. But really, it was about taking two, it was two reasons. A, we had this um, need to control something, right? When you're working with clients um, and, you know, people are, even currently kind of in this analysis mode of what we're going to do going forward. And are we going to move? Are we going to do hybrid? Are we going to do virtual? Are we going to cancel? Are we going to postpone, et cetera, et cetera. So, and as in the, in the event planner world, I'm sure you can all understand that we can be control freaks and we want control of the situation. So part of it was that we wanted to design an event that we could nurture and that we could kind of control the outcome as best we could. So that was it. But also we were really looking forward to building our community uh, of strong female leaders and, and looking for opportunities to have a, a deeper conversation with people. Um, I know people are zoomed out, but at the same time, um, there were so many things that we were talking about amongst ourselves, like imposter syndrome and mental health and dealing with aging parents and um, uh, what else? I mean, diversity, inclusion, inequality, right? So it was a way of, for bringing together. And again, this goes back to my, my joy of connecting people, of bringing people that we knew uh, together for more robust conversations. So, uh, you know, speed dating and breakout sessions. And, and we kept it very um, short and snappy. So it would be like a 15 minutes, um, speaker or 30 minutes was the max. We'd include some kind of social component to it. So really it um, allowed us to get some extraordinary women uh, that out there that were struggling and putting them in a supportive um, network. Yes. And you usually had a giving back um, portion to it as well. Yeah, you're right. I'm, yes. That's so funny because I, I I forgot that. But one of the things we did want to do was uh, raise money for all summer. So yes. we've uh, raised about four thousand um, dollars because our we also knew that that funds were short for people. So we had a, a few sponsors, uh, but also um, people could pay what they what they could afford. So um, it was complimentary to attend, or up to I think the max was like twenty five dollars. Um, so yeah, we we've raised some money for all summers, which is is um, very important to us. We've, we have family members who've, have had Alzheimer's or have Alzheimer's now. And it's, you know, those, um, non-for-profits were, were struggling with fundraising. So, in, uh, we just wanted a way to give back to them as well. Oh, that's wonderful. I know we supported, uh, uh, you at one of the events, uh, okay. I think it was the last one. So it was very enjoyable. And, and you, you got a, a, a great number of women out in what was sort of the average amount of folks attending? Um, so a, a registration was always around about 110. And oh, that's um, fantastic. we typically had um, 87 to 90, I think was our, our kind of final number for attendance. And, uh, but what was great about it is that majority of them stayed on for the entire time. Um, and I think that goes back to just the intentional event design to make it, um, as participatory as we can make it in a virtual world. Um, and just different styles as well. I mean, I have a young uh, mentee, Stella, and, uh, I got her to push her comfort boundaries and she interviewed Jen Sharaf last time. Um, you know, it's, it's just different ways of looking at keeping people engaged in a virtual world. Yeah. Can you give us uh, some of those hot tips that you, to keep people engaged in that virtual world? 
Yeah. I mean, we always started because one of the things that people are lacking is networking, right? And so we start our events with a kind of a little bit of a speed dating where we put um, five people in a room together just for, um, you know, seven to 10 minutes, just so they know and they'll feel more comfortable speaking, speaking up, um, obviously engaging people with polls in the chat. Um, and then we just chose to keep different formats. So one would be uh, a, a barstool conversation. And then we had a panel from the wine cellar. So we kind of did a little tongue in cheek on the, on that type of thing, but, um, and keeping our keynote speakers, um, you know, really to like 20 minutes and then 10 minutes of questions and allowing people to pop on and, and ask their questions. Um, you know, taking a break, we did, um, uh, yoga one time, uh, you know, just, breaking up the segments so that people aren't um, Zoom fatigued from staring at the screen the entire time. So, yeah, yeah. Well, it was wonderful. I've attended all of them and I can't wait for the one in August. I, oh, thank you. Really enjoyable. Now, Jen, I know that you created in your time as president of Site Global a scholarship fund with Maura Hearn's name on it. And as many of us in the incentive travel industry looked up to Maura, the owner of Select Marketing Group and Global DMC, given that she was a site global board of directors for many years. We being new board members and eventually presidents with Site Canada chapter, I can say for myself, she was so giving of her knowledge and eager to always provide counsel, always with a smile. She always provided her best advice for how to encourage our members. It's so valuable, I miss her so. But can you tell us more about that scholarship and why you created it? Yeah. And that was um, a, a lovely comments that you said about more. And I, I completely agree, but not only did she tell you, you know, she told me I should, you know, come out to a meeting. And then, um, but when I got there, she's like, well, you should get involved and you should get on the board. And, you know, so she pushed me to, to contribute back to site. Um, and that's just like your business. You know, when I, um, when Joe and I bought meeting encore and she was always, uh, and, and Porrick Gilligan and Patrick and I have talked about this as well. She'll always tell, say, congratulate you and support you. And then she'll ask you what's next. Right. So she's <laughs> as an entrepreneur, she was always, uh, looking at ways to support her partners and, uh, make them uh, stronger every day. So I thought the fund, uh, and the board, um, agreed would be a great, um, uh, contribute to somebody who really, um, breezed what site was about and, and, um, supportive, ethical, determined. And, um, the fund is really, you know, we, we looked at different scenarios. We looked at reducing the membership fee. We looked at, um, extending membership, et cetera. And, you know, through all that came the, the decision for, you know, the fiscal responsibility that we had as a board and not all of our members actually were in a bad situation and needed the money. Some of their, uh, you know, their CVBs or their hotels, et cetera, supported their membership, but others needed us more. So we created a fund um, in order to help people up to 75% of their membership fee for those that, that needed it. Uh, and the foundation, uh, we raised money and the foundation contributed money to the fund. Um, chapters raised money for the fund as well. And it allowed us to help, I think almost 300 of our members. So it really, if not more, I'm, I'm not as up to date on, on the fund numbers, but uh, it was great. People had to apply, um, filling out a form. It wasn't that onerous, but it, it did show that there was a, um, you know, an interest and a reason that they wanted to keep their site membership. Um, so they had some kind of buy into it as well. Um, so yeah, I think, I think it, uh, uh, and, and the other thing is it's not, it's not a fund set up for COVID. It's a fund set up for, for whatever situation that individual finds themselves in. I mean, we've, you know, from forest fires in Australia to, um, you know, Texas being devastated by the floods and the hurricanes and New Orleans. And I mean, there's, there's, or a person's house or business burning down, right? Like there, there's always globally things that people are dealing with that we have no idea. So this is a fund in order to them to know that their site family is there to support them. So it will live on after COVID it's, it's in perpetuity. Yes. Yeah. Oh, wonderful. Wonderful. So 
Jen, what does mentorship mean to you? Hmm. Mentorship mean to me, I, you know, uh, Site Women in Leadership started Advisors in Action, and it's allowed me to have the opportunity to, to mentor a, a, a young woman. And membership, me- mentorship is really two-way, right? I learn just as much from her as she does to, uh, for me, and it allows me to help uh, and, and even informal mentorship. I've helped um, a few um, individuals with their businesses this year and coaching them. Uh, you know, I, one of my superpowers is telling other people what I think they're good at. <laughs> uh, so uh, it's, it's nice to help them see what their superpower is, right? So, cause sometimes we get in our own way. So when you're asking questions and um, listening and have empathy for the person, you can really sometimes help provide clarity to them about um, what their bench strengths are, right? Sometimes we need to get out of our, our own way. Right. So what type of entrepreneurs do you mentor? Is it only in the event industry or is it in other industries as well? Yeah, no, it's um, anything, uh, you know, people starting new businesses. So more entrepreneurship um, as well. I've helped a couple people. I'm right now I'm helping Jason Thompson with his uh, launching his course, um, which is a presentation, a total presentation masterclass, which is honestly a skill we all need is that content creation and engaging with audiences, et cetera. So um, that's been a pleasure helping Anthony, you know, um, think creatively about his digital marketing agency business. So it's, but it, it's not, it's all done through just having great conversations. Do you see a difference between mentoring men uh, versus women? No, not really. Um, I'm just trying to think of how they, they process information, but I would say that, um, you know, right now I, 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 had a, a co-op student with us this year. It was a last minute um, um, request because the, the individual couldn't go to an in-person co-op. So, um, uh, so I jumped in on that and, uh, you know, I had her do a, a youth emergenetics just because I thought it would be a great opportunity for her, right? She's not, you know, we've all in, by this point of our careers, we've done some kind of um, metric or disc or emergenetics, et cetera. So, and what I would say with all these individuals is, is just understanding the whole person and finding out how they process information. Like I'm a conceptual social person, uh, you know, that movie up with squirrel, that's me. <laughs> uh, so I need to surround myself. Like my husband is much more structural analytical, right? So and it comes down to even things around our house or gardening, you know, I'm like, oh, we could do this, this, and this. And then he'll, he'll be the one that can process the order in order for which we should do that. So, and that's the same way with these individuals. It didn't matter if they were men or women, but it was matter if they just um, were more structural, analytical, conceptual. And then the other thing that's changed during COVID is people have good days and bad days, right? And, and people, there are just some points and I saw it uh, on our team that people could take on projects and they were creative and they wanted to contribute. But then there was other times they just didn't have that well in them anymore. They didn't have the emotional energy to be creative um, or they just needed some alone time. They don't want to be with a group, right? So it's just giving people the space to figure out what's best for them. Yeah, the safe space, right? Mm-hmm. Now, what is the playbook? So the playbook is a radio show on Sega 960 AM, and it's a talk radio show. That's a talk radio network. And um, Jason was on there before doing Appearance Canada. And so um, they said, oh, do you want to do another radio show? And so he asked me, and I had had this um, uh, kind of side project I was working on called In an Eggshell. And basically what I wanted to do was help entrepreneurs and developing professionals really learn those skill sets that would help them that they didn't learn at business school type of thing. So Jason and I collaborated on it and came up with the playbook, Everyday Skills for Every Professional. And so we've had 11 episodes. It's it's a podcast available on like Spotify and iTunes and stuff, but it's also a radio show. And 
um, we basically have taken topics from, well, this right now we're doing a six part series on leadership. So this week's episode is on emotional intelligence. Um, we talked to Deb Kirby, who uh, has worked for Feed the Children, Mariposa, Winford, um, uh, Right to Play. And she, you know, so we talked to her about leadership and, and emotional intelligence and other leadership skills where we've talked about mentoring and networking and team building. And so all these things that, you know, yes, it's for, um, it, a lot of our topic is about, um, your kind of career type of skill set, but at the same time, all the skills we're talking about on the playbook also help you with volunteer roles, your, even your family communication or your, um, soccer team that you're coaching. So it's, we're trying to, um, look at it as a way to give back practical advice. And, and we're so blessed because, you know, uh, Jason calls me the guest wrangler, but it's been actually fairly easy to find incredible contributors because people are open right now to, to sharing and, and they, they want to give back. So, you know, we've had Anthony on Jen Schraft, Deb Kirby, like I said, um, yeah, we have, we have some surprises coming down the pipeline, but it's, it's been, it's been great. And, and has it been well received and did you get a lot of interest? Yeah, actually, um, really well received on the radio show. Our stats are, are good for that. I honestly haven't done that much uh, work yet on promoting it on the iTunes or the Spotify. So I need to work harder on that. But um, all the radio show is recorded and um, it's tied to uh, Jason's course as well. Um, they're kind of the main sponsors of it. Uh, so it's up at speak up, get results, backslash, backslash the playbook. Um oh. We'll but yeah, that's link. something, something I want to work on for sure. Yeah. We can add the link to, to yes. our podcast. And, and what did you learn from producing it, Jen? You know, I, it, it definitely pushes my comfort boundaries on, on speaking and speaking kind of like, even like this today, speaking kind of from your gut, from your head, from your heart type of thing. So, um, yeah, I, I do. I love having the conversations with people. Um, and, and just, I mean, it's amazing how many things we've learned, uh, during this pandemic, right. I've learned new tech. I, I know how to create a transcript. I know how to build a landing page, right? Like, so things that you just have to figure out for yourself. I mean, uh, we don't get paid for anything. So it's all, um, and we're not at the point yet where we have sponsors, um, or advertisers. So we're, it's, it's a do it yourself project, passion project. So yeah, I think it's, it's definitely, um, created opportunities, uh, uh, for us as well. Um, but it's, it's been a learning journey for sure. <laughs> great, great. And, and I noticed you also have started a few new divisions in your business, one called design and achieve. Can you elaborate on that and why yes. you started it? Yeah. 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 So, um, design and achieved is, um, a company that's really focused on, on anything to do with, um, employee engagement. So rewarding and recognizing, uh, with kind of three buckets, um, incentive travel being managing incentive travel programs, as well as, um, the curated kind of gifting experience, um, gift boxes, et cetera. We, we started doing that for clients, um, late last year. And then the virtual social events. So, um, you know, every, <laughs> we've had quite a few lately from um, cooking classes to um, virtual movie and music trivia nights. And it's been great to see, um, you know, different presidents of companies and, and, you know, senior leadership getting involved with their team. And I actually think that's going to have a, a very, um, positive effect when they return to the workplace. Um, but I'm not sure they're ready for it yet. So it'll be interesting because, you know, the fact that, you know, what the, the favorite music genre or favorite movie is now of a senior leader, it does break down the, the walls to have a conversation later of, Oh, I saw you here. Or last week, um, we did one with the, which we're going to do for our clients coming up is a barbecue cooking demonstration with uh, chef Hor, who is, um, 
he's won teacher of the year, um, uh, for like, and restaurants, Canada leadership award. He's won shopped Canada. His biggest contribution is not his great food that he makes, which I've, I've known him for 30 years. So I can say that he makes amazing food, but it's the contributor contribution he gives to the youth, um, that would never have the opportunities that they have with, without him. He teaches a culinary program at, um, uh, school at Jane and Finch. And not only do they teach life skills and entrepreneur skills, but they also, you know, feed a lot of people, him and his wife. Um, and he, he's coordinated, um, a, another, um, couple of chefs have done over 50,000 shelter meals since the pandemic started. I mean, he, he's wow. just amazing. So we we're, we're doing events like that, where it provides a give back as well as, um, just engagement with the team. Oh, that's wonderful. Really wonderful. Do you see some, if any of these initiatives living beyond the pandemic? Yeah. Um, all, all of them, uh, <laughs> the, um, you know, I, I don't sit still. Well, <laughs> I'm a multi-passionate creative. Um, so, I mean, meeting Encore is celebrating its 31st year, uh, in, in business, uh, design and achieve as well as um, we have programs booked through, um, remainder of 2021. And, you know, it's, um, it's a, it's a business that I can, um, um, hire more people to help and support, uh, the work that we do. So that's, that's a good opportunity, but the women supporting women summit, um, I actually see that growing, um, uh, in other ways, maybe through a Facebook, uh, community group or, um, you know, a couple more summits, or maybe it's a retreat. Um, but it's a passion project. It's what I work on in evenings and weekends, um, with other, uh, individuals. I'm, I'm going to kind of look for some, uh, volunteers to help support that in the next little while. So yeah, it, it's, and, um, you know, fuel sports. I mean, the sports teams are actually making decisions and, and coming back, um, quicker than some of the corporations that, that we see. Um, so the return to sports, the return to live events, um, you know, yeah, for sure. It's, it's, it's an opportunity to, um, continue to grow. Like I said, you know, if you're a DMC and you started a new revenue stream, you, you're probably not going to give it up when, when face-to-face comes back. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a little bit of, um, you know, people are assessing risk again. Right. So how, how do I be, be better prepared? How do I diversify, um, my type of accounts? I've said this to my team. I, I specialize quite, I mean, have a, I have a lot of different types of accounts, but my main group of, of accounts were insurance and financial, and they're, very risk adverse. And I'm probably on my team, one of the slower ones to ramp up on the rebound of face-to-face -face because the corporations um, rightfully are spending a lot of time analyzing what their programs look for, are looking at in 2022. So, yeah. So do you, do you uh, see the events coming back and you predict in 2022, but do you think hybrid is here to stay? And if yes, why? You know, I think, I think people thought hybrid was going to be a, a bigger proponent to, a, to a lot of programs, but really it's, it's, it can be very expensive. Um, so, and you need kind of two different agendas, two different teams running a hybrid event. So what I'm seeing right now is people are either, you know, they're looking at their event design, they're looking at their programs and looking at the ROI and the metrics on those incentive travel hands down it's going to return and i'm already booking incentive travel programs for 22 23 and 24 and that's because you just can't replicate that you know you get a curated gift box with a bottle of champagne and you see um you know lady gaga sing online you might as well watch youtube and sit in front of the tv right with you know so that will definitely be re rebound i see where hybrid will come into play is if an association or a corporation has gained an audience because of the virtual world, they will look at programming to help support that, but it may not be at the same time as an existing program. So one of my associations are going to record um, all their sessions going forward. So they'll invest in the budget to do that, but they're not going to try to do it at the same time. First of all, time zones are complicated. The cost is complicated. 
and um, then they'll use it as a resource library for education for, for their members. Um, and most of the corporations that I'm talking to about their national sales meetings, for example, the expectation is if it's safe to travel, that the converse, they, they need to have those meetings in person as a team, full team. So unless there's somebody that cannot be there for um, a significant reason, um, but they're not going to create a program for a few people right. because it's, it's just cost prohibitive. So, sure. yeah, I, so I, I think it'll depend on, on the industry. Uh, it'll depend on, um, just a lot of factors and costs being one of them. And the other is you cannot, I mean, we've been able to network, we've been able to present in this virtual world, but we're, what we're missing is the conversations as we walk down the hallway to the next breakout or to the bar or to, you know, those continuing the conversations, even our board meetings, you know, we're going to have our first face-to-face -face, um, hopefully in October and can have our full board turnout because we, you know, that when you, somebody ends the meeting for all in zoom, it's kind of, you, you're kind of left hanging. So we're, we're looking forward to, you know, getting to know people better, um, and, and building those relationships face-to-face. -face. Yes. Now you mentioned incentive travel. What do you see any, uh, in trends coming out in the incentive travel, uh, and is outdoor more popular? What, what trends do you see in incentive travel? Yeah, I mean, um, we were we were already leaning, uh, you know, we, we saw this in the 2020, no, I think it was 2020, maybe 20, no, 2019 incentive travel industry index. And we just did another one with site called Corporate Insights. Uh, and so they're talking about kind of what the post-pandemic impact is, but we'll see incentive travel moving outside of just the financial sales area for reward and recognition and into, you know, we would talk to a pharmacist, uh, a pharma company who was looking at a way to reward their scientists or the people, their frontline workers or people that have had innovative ideas during the pandemic, right? So I see incentive travel, you know, it's always driven um, business results, but now it, it's really has an opportunity to work on the recognition piece, like I talked about earlier and, and engagement so that people, um, can retain great employees. So there's that part, um, the outdoors versus, I mean, for the short term, I'm seeing some of my programs staying within Canada, uh, which is great. Um, but I also know, um, that just like Quebec city, I mean, Quebec city is a piece of a piece of little piece of Europe in Canada. Um, and it, I mean, it's just a great location, but it's also going to be in demand from our U.S. As soon as the borders open, I mean, I know people, lots of uh, clients that I know from the from the U.S. have used Quebec City time and time again as well. So uh, it's going to come down to availability at some point as well. So program size, um, you know, some people expected them to get smaller, um, but right now I'm seeing either the same size or growth in size because they've combined programs, maybe, um, you know, more interest in family programming. So um, millennials are really driving that where they want to travel with their families. Uh, I did a little, you know, we did a, an exercise the other day with uh, somebody that was kind of the would, the would you rather question. So post pandemic, would you rather go on a business trip or go on vacation with your family? Uh, it was the question. And it's, it was surprising. Majority of people said their family, even though we've spent so much time with each other, but uh, I know for Dave and I, he's waiting. He hasn't seen his dad for almost two years. Mm -hmm. um, and as soon as the Atlantic bubble opens, we'll, we'll be going East as well. So yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I think it'll, I think, you know, obviously personalization has always been there. Um, maybe not mass transit uh, type of things, but I have not seen anything specific to destinations. I'm looking at Europe, I'm looking at um, the US I'm, and I'm looking at Canada. So I'd say short-term um, Canada, definitely. And people are looking for um, unique opportunities in, um, in Canada that they may not have explored before as well. Yeah. So have you ever been to Quebec City? 
I have. I love Quebec City. And, and what's your most favorite memory? <laughs> hmm. You know what? It's probably uh, an event that I went to at uh, La Chapelle, right? It's the desanctified church. It's an easy walk from the Fairmont. And it is um, just a special venue. Um, when you get in there, the lighting and the acoustics are phenomenal. That, I mean, the food in Quebec City, the views, I mean, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I can go back anytime walking around shopping. I just never, well, my only challenge with Quebec city is I'm always there for such a brief period of time, right. Running a program or, or running around on a site inspection for a future program. Um, we held a, um, a great, uh, we managed a program for, uh, an insurance company out of the States for their Latin American program. So having eight, uh, Latin American, uh, countries, uh, winners come to Quebec city was, was amazing. They loved it. Oh, that's great. That's great. Well, you and David have to stop in on your way to the Atlantic Canada. You <laughs> let us know. So, um, is there anything else you'd like to add to our conversation today, Jen? No, I mean, just thanks for the opportunity and for, for anybody, you know, you can find me on LinkedIn, et cetera, but for anybody who's looking for, to build a, a community of their own, you know, just, um, reach out. I'm, I'm happy to, to share kind of our, um, learnings from that as well. And I, I think, uh, we should just continue the, the conversations, um, and, and look forward to supporting everybody. And thanks to Quebec city for your sponsorship of the women's supporting women's summit mm. and for the opportunity to, to chat today. Yes. Well, thank you for enlightening us, Jen, today. It's been a real pleasure and I'm sure that everyone has learned a lot and thank you for giving, your endless energy to encourage others and lead by example and coach future entrepreneurs. And bravo to you, really, sincerely from my heart. Thank you. Thank you. Merci beaucoup for listening to the Quebec City Business Destination podcast. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Jen Glynn, managing partner of Meeting Encore. Jen enlightened us on her volunteer roles, mentorship, and giving back to our community, along with very interesting trends in incentive travel and the future of meetings. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast or follow us on social media if you do not want to miss the next episode. Our social handle is at Meet Quebec City. À la prochaine!